0: Hello, you are listening to Omnitox Retail Fast Five, brought to you in partnership with the A&M Consumer and Retail Group, Firework, Avalara, TGW, and Suzzle. Ranked in the top 10% of all podcasts globally, the Retail Fast Five is the podcast that we hope makes you feel a little smarter, but most importantly, a little happier each week too. Today is October 18th, 2023. I'm your host, Dan Mazinga. And I'm Chris Walton. And we are here once again to discuss the most important headlines from the past week that highlight how the physical, digital, and human elements of retail are coming together to shape the future. Chris... I returned.
1: I returned from Florida. You returned. Yes, yes. You had a trip with the. I've been calling them the old biddies. The old biddies. The the girlfriends. The 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 mom's trip to Florida, which I think we're going to talk about around like headline number two, if I'm not mistaken.
0: We will. So I can't wait to hear about
1: that trip and how that impacted things.
0: It it was a fun one. It was amazing. I. Drinks were ha- high noons. We consumed enough high noons to keep that company in business. Let me what's tell you. What's a high noon?
1: I don't know that. I only the, know the Gary Cooper movie. What? What's a high noon? Man? Oh God,
0: the seltzers, like the the oh, seltzers. Oh right, the, right.
1: Whatever. What those young kids are drinking these days, the right? The young yes. kids.
0: We made like right. we were young kids. I tried to intercept a football. It was really all uh, entertaining. I have to share that video later. But Chris, you were where were you? You were at like a family reunion or yeah something? well
1: no i was i was i I told you beforehand i said i wanted to share a story from my family reunion, which was last month for my grandma grandfather's oh, 96th okay. birthday which some of some of you guys will probably remember some of you loyal omni talk fans will remember but yeah i want to give a shout out to my so my my cousin mike judici his wife jenny judici she and her daughter bella shout out to bella listened to our show religiously and so when i went there they when I went there, they they were she the the she's like 10 years old, she was like afraid to talk to me because she thought I was like this celebrity, and so it was the cutest thing ever. So I just want to give oh her God. a shout out and say Bella, much, he
0: does not need that
1: <laughs> say how much we love you guys, we're thinking about you guys all the time down in Iowa, and so yeah, so it melted my heart, and I just want to say thank you for that. So yeah, but and in addition to that, we had one of the craziest comments we have ever had in the history of our show, and I don't know why, and but Amazon Pompeii. Elicits such a response. Like usually we oh, get God. the mark of the beast, but this dude, this dude that you're gonna share with us took it to a whole nother level.
0: Yeah. It, it whenever we talk about it at conferences, yeah, at the airport, without fail, somebody's talking about trackers and butts, and they're worried about Amazon following them for the whole rest of their lives. But this particular individual bok choy so you can bok check choy. Out, choy. the you youtube can, names
2: are
1: great and yeah too. Yes. bok choy yes so
0: bok choy we want to call out your comment on our youtube excerpt about Pompeii bok choy says quote this is a dangerous idea because the thief might steal your hand instead of your cash <laughs> credit card or phone oh i'm not done and yeah. may <laughs> use your hand for shopping while they wear sleeve." Happy cut at hand, LOLOL. <laughs> Real time. Crazy. I Real
1: just talk. saw like this exact thing happen in Spaceballs this week. I watched the Spaceballs with my kid where they put the hand on the screen, I think, to like get into whatever room they want to get into. And that's basically what this guy oh, is afraid God. of. Oh my God, Bok Choy and all the other people out there, like slow your roll. But we just had to share that because- LinkedIn, we get like you know very thoughtful insightful commentary. YouTube, you never know what the hell you're gonna get. And and Bok Choi took it to another level. So hopefully he's still listening. We respect it, love it, keep it coming, man. All right, Ash, we do the headlines or
0: woman? I guess it, Bok Choi. Yeah, could it could be. be. Yeah, 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 you're right. Keep yeah, it coming, could be. Bok Choi. Yeah, we don't know who you are, could but we love yes. your comments.
1: Yes, yes, right. All right, should we do the
0: headlines? Yes, let's get to it.
1: All right, in today's fast five, we've got news on Walmart doing virtual makeup try on. Netflix opening its own stores, ship support of a new legal framework for gig workers, and Amazon Fresh Store receiving a zero carbon rating. George and George Trantis from Avalara stops by to give us five insightful minutes on e commerce tax compliance. But we begin today with big news, or is it micro news, or is it both? And I don't know which way to go out of high V.
0: The wordplay is endless, Chris. The wordplay is. Oh, play you know. Yeah. I try endless. hard, Ann. I try hard. All right. Headline number 1. Hy-Vee is doing micro fulfillment. It's back. According to Change Storage, Rage, Hy-Vee is deploying Takeoff Technologies micro fulfillment technology in select stores to support its aisles online omnichannel grocery ordering service. hy intends to make the Isle on- Isles online order picking process more efficient for those employees' shopping orders. And according to research by Takeoff Technologies, retailers can use micro-fulfillment capabilities to fulfill an average of 25 items with 5 minutes of labor and increase productivity of online fulfillment by up to 10 times when combined with the work of human associates. Chris... This is pretty big news. I mean, this has been all over. We, It's going, it's coming, it's here, it's there. Right. It's, people are shifting ideas, but this is a big announcement from Hy V. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, and I'm going to try to channel my best Al Pacino here for this episode because I think it's very, very apropos, so they say. And the more I think about micro fulfillment, it pulls me back in because I can't get that. you know, I don't get Godfather 3, and Jesus, your movie knowledge is so. Dire at times, like you got. I, we we need to do like a crash course in great movie line movie lines in history because that you just got to pick it up. All right. So anyway, back Let's go to the back point, to micro Anne. fulfillment. Here. Yes, Let's, back to micro. No one cares
0: about my worthless movie knowledge. Let's move on.
1: <laughs> well, I do, but anyway. All right. So, and the point I'm making is, we had com- the reason I say that is, we had companies on our podcast like Domatic. Just like two months ago, end of August, who basically said micro fulfillment was drying up, but yet we still know it's happening overseas in Europe, which which I'm getting from our our new sponsors TGW that you know it's still happening very very well over there, and so then you have a, a high V announcing this with takeoff, and so the question becomes, what does that mean? To your point, so like to me, it means the value of figuring out the savings from automation is still on the minds of grocers. And God dang, right, right, rightly so. Yeah, because you have to figure that you have to figure out how to do e-commerce more profitably. So it also the second point I would make it gives more credence to the argument I made a couple of weeks ago. I don't remember how long ago it was when Kroger had the announcement of the full stop with Okado. and I was thinking maybe that they just had the wrong solution and they were learning that mm-hmm. through their partnership with their new. Merger talks with Albertsons because Albertsons could be saying like, "Hey, we got a different way of doing this. It could be just as valuable." Yeah, and through the, sort- the
0: output, yeah, they would have access to seeing what yeah, they know.
1: They know that data, right? And so, Hyve is now going in this direction too. So it makes me wonder what's going on. And sources I trust in the industry tell me that actually might be what's going on. So as I put that in the market, people are like, "Yeah, you might be onto something there, Chris." So, so yeah, so I think this is big. It shows that maybe it's not slowing down like some have previously thought. And God damn, it's going to be fun to watch. I can't wait because I think it to me, it's a no brainer to try to figure this out. I don't think coming to a full stop makes a ton of sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I agree, Chris. I don't think we need to preach to anybody listening. Our listeners have heard Takeoff was a sponsor year, you know, for for the Fast Five. We don't need to preach on the value of micro fulfillment ultimately it's just it's faster it's going to be faster it requires minimum labor it doesn't require the onboarding time remember when we went to sedanos to do a yes, do video down there i mean, there? I, mean I i have i'd never been in yeah. that area of that store the, in the back of house. And within minutes, I was able to fulfill an order. It's so intuitive, yeah. so super easy. Plus, I think there's a real opportunity here. I mean, High V has a lot of components to it. And so if you can speed up the picking and for the the shelf stable items in the back of the house, and even some of the refrigerated and frozen items, there's an opportunity here for them to start exploring things like what we saw with Target and Curbside, where you're doing curbside delivery and pickup of prepared foods like they have already launched that program during the pandemic there's uh, opportunities here to put you know prescriptions pickup into this even reverse logistics potentially taking things back now all because they've figured out how to f- do faster fulfillment with less human labor in the back of the house. And now they have that ability to put that towards other programming, especially with their curbside programming that they've been doing for the last several years and that they increased during the pandemic. So I think there's a lot of opportunity that this will unlock once Hy-Vee continues to ex- expand this to more stores.
1: Yeah. And that's a, that's like the next stage, right? Like The yeah. now is strictly like the picking the shelf stable goods, yes. trying to pick the refrigerated and the frozen. Getting micro fulfillment into the prepared foods and into the pharmacy is is a whole other ballgame.
0: Not micro fulfillment. Sorry. I should clarify. I'm talking about like when you have micro fulfillment in the back of the house with requiring less labor to help pick those items for the grocery orders, that unlocks availability within your workforce to start helping facilitate faster other programs like bringing that require, you know, a human. Labor to bring the prepared right, foods right. there, to bring RX to you know pick curbside pickup, and really just making it an ultimately more convenient experience because you're not dedicated to people walking the aisles or picking from the back of house.
1: Right. Great point. So there's the efficiency claims that, like you read from Takeoff, but there's also the operational redeployment of your current staff to do other things exactly. that are also required in the future evolution of your store operation. Yeah, exactly. Percent. Exactly. All right, and Ann, I will preach. I'll say hallelujah. Micro fulfillment is back. All right. Headline number two. I am super excited to talk about this one, to debate this one. I think we could have a great debate on this one. Walmart has launched a virtual try on makeup experience within its app. According to retail dive, Perfect Corp, an AR and AI beauty and fashion technology provider announced Wednesday its collaboration with Walmart on the new capability. The new feature is intended to, quote, enhance the Walmart shopping journey, end quote, according to a Perfect Corp press release. Users can try on blush, lip color, eyeshadow, and bronzer via the app, and customers can use the app on over 1,400 products from Walmart's brand assortment, including CoverGirl, Elf, Maybelline, and Revlon. And I tried the app last night, but like I said at the opening, or like you said at the opening, you were just on a girls' trip in Florida with the moms of many teens and preteens, so you are likely... Much more informed on this topic than I am for many reasons. So, what is your take? Are you buying into AR makeup try on via the Walmart app?
0: I didn't want to, Chris. Let me start by saying didn't want I didn't to. want to. I mean, we there I can't also, wait to get my opinion on there this. There was one. Yeah. also a headline about Google and Pat McGrath doing similar pop up with makeup there. And I was like, mm-hmm. why in the hell is anybody gonna want to why would you do this when you have yeah, the actual no makeup sense. there to try? Well, maybe it does actually. Yeah. No, nah, no, nah. keep going. Yeah. Right. I just realized yeah. I'm old. Yeah. This is the moment yeah, me too. where I'm saying I'm this old. This is when you realize was you're wrong. Old. I'm yeah. old and I was wrong. And yeah. I'll tell you why, because this is what the next generation is doing. This is how they are communicating. Like we've talked about this before, but I have to say after being with all of our, I was with, you know, fi- there's five moms. Okay. We're down in Florida this week and our kids, no comments, no texting, not happening. But the second we started doing things to them and communicating with them on Snapchat, they were all over us. We couldn't yeah. get them to stop contacting us. We actually yeah. had to say, please stop sending us messages. We're trying to relax. Let me get back on my bar. It's so high noon here
1: in Florida, well, I need please to get back on,
0: back on the Tiki Boat <laughs> bar and I do not want to hear any more from you. But I think that it it you know while you and I have for a l- very long time been pretty critical of AR and VR as a modality for shopping or benefit for shopping. Yeah, It just might not be for us. I mean, we both tried the Walmart virtual makeup trend and I have to say it was a lot better than I realized. I posted on LinkedIn, like, yes, the the colors may not have been for me, but this was exceptionally done and I'm, I'm eating crow on this one. I'm saying, I think I was wrong. I think that this is how you're going to get the next generation to engage with your brand It's going to become more pervasive because of the other things that they're using in their everyday life, like Snapchat, like the Snapchat filters, like they are used to this experience. I am not. I'm old. End of story. I might as well just move down to Florida right now.
1: Yeah, man. And, you know, this is going to shock. I was ready to crap all over this. Like I really was like, I've got my notes in front of me, like all the bad things I was going to say about it. But then you posted that picture online and I'm like, I got to try this out. And so I posted a return picture and like all that kind of thing. And I so freaking, funny. I freaking loved it. I yes. I, I was like, I actually wanted to do it again for the pure enjoyment of doing it. And yes, the quality of it was so much better than I expected too. like,
0: right. Remember when we were on store of the future, like we were looking oh yeah, at this like is 10 years ago, we were looking at this technology and, other yeah. things and it was like, had so much further to come. So, yeah. I mean, Vinod, Anshu, team at Walmart, like, holy buckets, are you guys doing smart things over there? Like, this is blew us away.
1: Yeah, because I was going to say, like, I'm still not sold on, like, the sneaker try-on versions of this. Like, that doesn't do it for for me, maybe for the younger generation, to your point, it does, but, or, like, the 3D room builders, but, like, for the beauty application and this tech, man, it was good. It was really good, like, to the point where I'm seriously want to try it again, show it to my wife, show it to my kids. And get them using it because it really worked. And and I will say this too, and, and I don't take this lightly too. I actually do think I wore it better, which is crazy. Like we oh had this contest online of who wore it better. And like I like I was actually like surprised about how it made my face look. Like I was like, oh my god, this is
0: crazy. I think my crazy favorite comment now. was, "You look like my aunt who never got married." And I was like, <laughs> right. I was like. <laughs> I, I was laughing so hard. And meanwhile, all the people listening to this podcast right now are like, Ann and Chris, you olds. Like you, you it's uh, like we just discovered Snapchat for the first time, or like the filters for the first time. Yes, we well, are olds, admittedly. Fortunately,
1: all the retail executives that listen to our podcast are as old, if not older, than we are. And so I think hopefully we're in Except great. Except
0: for poor Bella. Bella, your your yeah. cousin is like, You old, Chris. You old. Bella's like, I've been doing AR makeup for
1: a long time. <laughs>
0: All right. It. All right. We got to move this. on. We got to right. move on. All right. Headline number three Netflix is opening retail stores. Chris, according to Chain Store Rage, the streaming giant plans to open physical stores dubbed Netflix House, with the first two locations expected to debut in the US in 2025, followed thereafter by global expansion. The stores nice. will sell merchandise based on some of Netflix's most popular shows. And also offer curated in store dining and live events. The restaurant will serve up items from the streaming platform's food based reality shows with a wide range of options from fast casual to high end dining. Chris, this is also the AM put you on the spot question this week. I think, Man, I'm like three in a row, yeah. At I least think three so. in a row. I like, think maybe so. More. They're after like, you. Been, they've They're been hitting you me up. All right. Okay. Well, Chris AM says, the irony is not lost on us for Netflix to be opening physical retail sp- stores, especially as Best Buy announces they are taking DVDs out of stores. However, what do you think Netflix's goal of these physical store experiences is and do they need to be profit generators to be successful? Chris, here this is where your movie knowledge comes into play and is very important for the podcast not other random stuff that you mentioned that no
1: not the twenty five years of steeped inside of Gade from retail no, no. but but yes my my arc, my arcane movie knowledge yeah and a great point by nm too like the irony of this week is not lost in the best Buy announcement coinciding with this announcement too to answer that question I think, Yes, if you're going to do them, they should be a profitable venture, and that's and honestly, I am crossing the Bridgerton on this one, Anne. Like fully crossing the Bridgerton. No, it was great, Anne. Great, and I, I I love the idea. I really do. I think I. You know why I love it, because Anne. I just think it's a it's a reskinning the. Tw- it's basically the 2023 version of Planet Hollywood, you know. What? And yeah, it is. I mean that what's old is new again. It's a theme on our show. It's a 2023 version of it. And people throughout the country will eat this crap up. And by that, I mean, literally, right? Like if there's stranger things there and there's a menu devoted to it, people will get all geeked up about that and they'll go. So and the other thing I'd point out to you is Netflix has done what I would say is a better than average, a far better than average job of testing this concept out. So in 2021, this is all according to Age. according to 2021, they launched their own online store. So they're seeing how much demand they can get online from these products. In 2022, they they announced or they they opened over 2,400 like hubs, Netflix hubs within Walmart stores. So they're getting a sense of what selling this product in stores could mean for them. And then they've had 40 pop-up experiences across 20 cities over the last few years. And then also in July, they opened up their first pop-up restaurant in the La Brea neighborhood of Los Angeles, an experience called Netflix Bites, which according to the chain store age was a temporary venue that offered fare from several well-known chefs from shows that I know you love, Mm Anne, like Chef's Table and Iron Chef, Quest for an Iron Legend. What a great name. So it seems smart to me. It hits the market, I think, that's out there given past concepts we've seen like Planet Hollywood, like Hard Rock Cafe, and it's been testing it smartly in iterations along the way. So and my last thing I would say on this, give me some gorgon on a plate and oh, I yeah. want to try it. I want to see what that, that
0: tastes like. I love this idea. I wonder what demigorgon would taste like. I know it's, it's kind of crazy. So huh? gross. Like I Please, just it, it probably it tastes like, like chicken, so, right? Oh, God, <laughs> Ugh, So disgusting. Okay. I, I don't know that I would compare it to planet Hollywood. Cause that to me seems like doomed for failure really those have been around for like 20 years
1: i don't know if they're, they're still not around, around they, anymore they're around for a long time hard rock's and still around
0: fair enough but i think the first thing that you have to ask yourself and i think a&m smartly asked this question is how scalable this idea is like pop-ups are one thing but when you start talking about chains of of these experiences all over the globe i think that's a different a different scenario Also, you know, the programs and popularity changes by region so quickly. So it's a, it's a big effort. I mean, this, this to me arguably is as strong an effort as the Netflix program or like just the content arm of Netflix itself. Mm -hmm. Like this is really taking on an entirely new business model. But I think to your point, they've done some solid pressure testing. They've, and if they can, you know, figure out a way to make this scalable, I think it's brilliant. The model that I actually compared this to would be something more along the lines of like Spirit Halloween. Like they figured out how to go into these places, do short term leases, and and in one, you know, 60 day period, they're making $650 million in revenue. And I think that if you if you look at that model and figuring out how to make that work across the country for short periods of time, because these shows are not, it's not something like a hard rock or a planet Hollywood where you can just set it and forget it. It's got to be, it's got to be content that's changing. That's up to the moment based on the shows that are, you know, hitting the top priority and that stuff happens quickly. So I think the speed at which they're going to have to move to iterate on this has got to be quick and they have to have a solid foundation set as far as the strategy is concerned for how they're going to make this pop-up kind of experience scalable.
1: Wow, I disagree. I think I think the Halloween's the wrong analogy there because Halloween is the Halloween spirit analogy because the Halloween is very temporal. It's all geared towards one thing. It's pop-up by design. If you're gonna get into food and memorabilia showcasing I think I think I the model of like the planet Hollywood experience seems to be what they're going for here. I think there's elements to trying to pull off the pop-up idea that are that make this tougher. and inside that, standing evergreen experience you can also still change out the content as well towards the different shows and get the memorabilia from the different shows in there and then change out the culinary experiences too but you know trying to get in the culinary side of pop-up is almost you know is very challenging
0: for sure i mean and and not to say that they couldn't do that differently they're doing it now with pop-ups though so they i think they have to figure out how to how to figure out how to most quickly turn this over because I don't think it's going to it's it's going to be successful if it just turns into a planet Hollywood, every single Netflix thing all over the store. I think mm-hmm. it's going to have to be very thematic like what we saw them do with the Stranger Things experience where it's like you're going all in mm-hmm. it turns into like a Barbie situation where it's like yes we're dressing up we're getting ready to go to yeah. this place like i think it's going to have to be more specific to theme for it to be successful than just like a Netflix restaurant but
1: yeah we'll i see. no i agree with that i actually think what they're probably learning from the pop-up experience is that it's not enough time to liquidate the inventory that they're sure. putting into these buildings and so therefore yes they have to have the experiences live for longer in these completely standing locations that exist for longer too. So I think, yeah, so, yeah, it sounds like we're kind of gravitating towards a midpoint here. So, Nat, Nat, do you like this idea or not? Like, I'm kind of
0: sure. Yeah. Like, I think y- there's, I, th- I think okay. there's, po- there's a lot of possibility if they can figure out how to do this right. And I think that time is not on their side. Like, the, with the frequency of popularity of shows, I think it's going to be a lot harder to pull this off than like the, the concepts, the, the chef's table and that kind of thing. Like, that's one thing you could, yeah. You could, there's restaurants that exist all over because they were on top chef or something. The, the, Talent was on top chef before that, but that's not a Netflix branded thing. I think the content's going to have to change much more quickly than than any of those other concepts. Yeah,
1: I don't know. Before. Or you play this is fascinating to me. Or do you play up the nostalgia side, like you know, like the Hard Rock does too? Like do you play up the really banger shows, like the the Stranger Things? The I don't. I'm making these up now. I, the yeah. Stranger Things is one that comes to mind the most easily, but you know, the the Bridgerton experience for those that want that, you know, high English society tea, you know, dining thing. Do you, do you lever into that more? That's kind of how my mind would think about this versus trying to change it out more often because you can keep those things going for, you know, however long they last and then decide if and when you want to change it out to another piece of content. But all right, let's keep going. All right, and I am excited to introduce our next guest. Joining us now for five insightful minutes is Avalara's George Trantis. George is the senior director of Global Marketplaces, where he oversees the business development operations strategy for Avalara's global online marketplace business. George has extensive experience leading business development strategies in the e-commerce and marketplace industry. George, welcome to OmniTalk. Thank you very much, Chris and Anne. I'm glad to be here. All right. Well, we recently took a look at your report on the ten common mistakes people make when it comes to e-commerce and tax compliance. So let's start you off with this one, George. Why is e-commerce tax compliance getting so complicated?
2: Well, that's a that's a great one. So you know, there's over thirteen thousand jurisdictions in America, and so as you think about that, each one has their the, the ability to make their own tax laws and, and rules and regulations, and so. You know, there's over hundred thousand changes each year, and as each one of those changes goes into effect, as a retailer, how are you supposed to know about that? And that's one of Avalera's, you know, jobs. Is we have teams of people that are researching tax laws, rules, rates, boundaries, sales tax holidays, and it's a it's a full time job for you know thousands of people at Avalera. And so when I think about retailers spending time worrying about those things and doing that on their own. It's really not their core business, so that's why outsourcing tax rules and, and race taera is really a, an easy solution. Well,
0: we won't have you go through all ten mistakes for that Omnitech listeners can read the full report, which will be available in our podcast description. But George, what are some of the biggest mistakes that stand out year after year?
2: Yeah, I think the the most common ones we see are you know failing to account for new product launches or new prop you know products and services mm. and so in e-commerce and marketplaces, you know, the goal is, you know, what are people on your site for? And then what can you add to that to help them grow and, and expand your sales? And so when you go from selling shoes and clothing to saying selling electronics or maybe food, there are whole sets of regulations that come into place that you may not have thought of originally. And are you collecting the right tax? Are there disposal fees? Or are there maybe potentially no tax on some of these products? So understanding the products and services you have today. And the differences really make a huge change. So we always tell people, before you add products, come to us three to six months early. Tell us what you're talking about. We can either recommend a a consultant or we can recommend how to update that in our system by itself.
1: All right. So, George, we did want to take a look at a couple of them specifically. So like one that caught my eye, for example, was not keeping track of the costs associated with online marketplaces. So how can people avoid making this mistake particularly?
2: Yeah, that's a great one. So I think as you think about marketplaces, there's two sides of a marketplace. There's selling mm-hmm. on marketplaces and then running your own marketplace. You know, we've seen, you know, the, the likes of uh, Macy's, Shein, they've all started launching their own marketplaces, but they probably are maybe selling on marketplaces as well. So, you know, keeping track of where your sales happen, the challenges of, of that are in itself complicated because so they typically, typically go back into one reporting system but understanding where the sales happen, the channel they're happening on. Is it retail? Is it marketplace? Is it your own marketplace? So you're just collecting a fee on that sale and making sure you understand the laws that are associated with that. So, you know, we saw a bunch of changes, obviously, with Wayfair versus South Dakota. And then on top of that, there was marketplace facilitator law. So basically every state in the United States now has a marketplace facilitation law. The nuances of those laws are what makes it tricky. So as you think about the products you're selling, how you're doing that, and where you're delivering those items to all create different tax abilities. You know, on top of that, we've also got some new laws around 1099s in the reporting for uh, sales on a marketplace. So if you own a marketplace, you used to have to file a 1099k at $20,000 for each one of your sellers. That's going down to $600. And I think that's going to create this huge change from your average seller who was selling, you know, maybe a couple items on Etsy or eBay, now having this... 1099 show up. So what do they do with that? How does a marketplace handle this? All those things are coming into effect this year. So I think that's really important to think about right now.
0: Okay, George, one more thing I have to ask about, and that's mismanaging tax exemption certificates. What should our listeners do to make sure that doesn't happen to them?
2: So I think the first thing is, are you selling items to you know governments, churches, places that are typically non-exempt mm. or to resellers? Right. So if you are, stop and are you getting a certificate? So let's think about what a certificate is. And a lot of businesses just don't understand that a certificate is from a state and it allows you to uh, exempt that. Some governments will say, "Here, here's my standard exemption certificate. But as you sell from, you know, deliver that that item to a state and they say, hey, also ship it to, you know, state B, do you need an exemption certificate for one state or two states, all the states? That's part of what our software does. It helps you, you know, dis you know, arm yourself with the right technology and the right tools to make sure you are not creating a liability for yourself. So I think the first thing we see is mismanagement of certificates. So if they expire, you know, the state of Florida has a one-year expiry. And what really challenges people is how do we understand when it's going to expire? Is it when it's signed in, when it, when it logged it in? So our software does automation and reminders of those expiries. But also, is it a valid certificate? Did you collect the right certificate type?
1: Why, and this this is so good. I this is such good stuff, George. All right, before we let you go, any final thoughts on what those listings should do to avoid the tax man this year?
2: So we know online sellers are going to face an onslaught of new tax rules and regulations. So just be aware of those. Avalara is an API-driven solution, cloud-based software as a service. We have thousands of partners in the ecosystem. You know, from Shopify, Big Commerce, Salesforce, Oracle, you name them, WooCommerce. The goal is, do you, have, do you have time to worry about tax? Probably not. So let's focus on what you do, your business. Let Avalera work on the, the tax part of that. You know, our motto is less taxing, more relaxing. We want you to focus on, you know, making sure your business is successful. We'll focus on the taxes for you.
1: Thanks, Love that George. motto. Thank you, George. All right. This has been five insightful minutes with Avalera's George Trantas. To read more about how you can avoid making unnecessary mistakes with the tax man, Check out Avalara's e-commerce and tax compliance, 10 common mistakes and how to avoid them on avalara.com or by clicking on the link available within our podcast description. All right, headline number four, Target Owned ships says that it supports a legal framework that allows the company to provide benefits while retaining its worker's independent contractor status. According to Grocery Dive, the Portaful Benefits Portaful and Portaful Portable benefits model has gig companies provide funds that workers have the option to put towards benefits of their choice, meaning that benefits are tied to an individual worker rather than to a company. For example, workers could choose to put the funds toward health insurance, sick leave, retirement, tuition reimbursement, reimbursement, or child care. This has been a tough read for me so far, and And the model would also allow workers to accrue and combine funds offered by multiple companies because, according to Ship. Nearly 70% of its personal shoppers last year earned money on other platforms. And what do you think of this move and what could possibly be the motivations here?
0: I think this is really smart. You I do. think, yeah, I, I don't get how this works legally. I feel like I need <laughs> somebody to like, I Tell me how said like, that before, you yeah. can give money to them, but then they can't, they're not employees. They're like, I don't, I don't understand how this is all happening, but I'm sure the people at shipped have worked long and hard to figure this out. But I do think that it's, it's important right now, according to some data that I just pulled from Cleavon, the current driver shortage in Ooh. the U S right now stands at 80 000. We're, we're short 80,000 drivers just in the US and may reach 160,000 by 2030, which means companies in this space are going to need more incentive for drivers to stick with them. Or I think they're going to start having to go back to other jobs so that they can make money. And that might be going back to in person jobs where they are W 2 employees, where they're able to get some of these benefits. And I think that, you know, especially as we're hearing, them add more responsibilities for drivers. Like Uber announced this week that it's essentially just sealing the double dash platform that DoorDash has been doing for a long time. So now once you order something from Uber Eats, you can add on other items. And it's not that is not beneficial for the drivers. It it essentially means less money for them because it's multiple trips. They have to wait for food to get delivered, they have to go to another place. Like there's there's a lot of downtime for those drivers where they're not making money and so i think that in order to keep them driving to keep them on the road to make this profitable for those drivers and something that those drivers will want to do you're going to need other incentives like the benefits platform beyond just i can work whenever i want to because i i just i don't think that that's enough anymore i think the more that they're being asked to do the less money they're actually making from doing these types of things but what what do you think are you
1: yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think I, I think I agree with some of what you said and then disagree slightly on some of the other points. Like I don't I don't think this is like I don't think this is being put into action to combat the fear that people are going to go start doing other jobs, like start working in stores again. I think your point about there's 80,000 vacancies in these roles is is the really important point here that you're bringing out, like the the competition to get drivers in the seats is just that intense. Right. And so Ship is using this as a point of differentiation against Uber, DoorDash, name your third party delivery service, Instant Cart. You know, you've got to throw into that equation too. And so they're just trying to differentiate themselves against that, I think. I mean, at its most base level, that's what's going on here, in my opinion. The other comment I would have though is like, why the motivation? What's the motivation for Ship doing this? We talk about this on the head. We talked about this. We talk about this a lot. Like, whenever you read the headline, you have to think about what is the motivation behind them putting this into market too. Yeah. So yeah, it sounds altruistic for the gig worker. It gives kind of the expect more, pay less that you'd expect for Target to ship, to go to the worker, that kind of thing. But I also wonder, Anne, if it's a signal that the competitive dynamics are tough at ship. You know, is ship struggling? Do they need this point of differentiation to continue to compete? Because it's an interesting play in that regard. And also you got to look at what else is happening. Chief business officer at ship just went to competitor Walmart local As well, so you got to wonder what's all at play here. But you know, it's a smartly branded way to try to carve out a differentiating niche in the marketplace. I would say,
0: yeah, and I think that gets back to what you were saying earlier. Like the competition for drivers is great. They said we said in the headline from Grocery Dive that you know they're. This is, this is the differentiator. They are trying to get more drivers. They need more staff and all of the, the drivers are working on multiple platforms. It's not just shipped. So I think whatever ships motivation here is get people to go to us first to make us their primary and then, you know, backlog the DoorDashes or the, the Uber Eats or other platforms for the time being. But, you know, that's only going to last so long because like it said in the headline, this is going to allow for them to work on multiple platforms and they're trying to bring more on board. So maybe Shipt is trying to be the kind of the leader of the third party delivery services to try to bring this in and, and, you know, I don't know, make, make hopefully to make things better for the gig drivers, but.
1: Yeah. The other point, if we're just conjecturing here too, is like, remember, Shipt has been very overtly promotional around that we, we can give you your own ship driver that you use over and over again, Personal which kind shoppers, of makes it yeah. sound like your own ship driver that works for Shipt. So who knows what the motivation here is? Are they feeling pressure on that? How important is that program to ship's long-term sustainability as point. well? Yeah.
0: Like,
1: God knows there's a lot here to unpack that's going to be fascinating to watch.
0: All right, let's go to headline number five, Chris. A Seattle Amazon Fresh Location received a zero carbon certification from the International Living Future Institute, or ILFI. Or is it Um, ILFI? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Um, Which should it be, And ILFI or ILFI? I think ILFI. I think ILFI. Yeah, I think ILFI. That's where I'd go to. yeah. Yeah. So... The Seattle Amazon Fresh location has become the world's first grocery store and Amazon's first building to receive this certification. According to an Amazon press release, ILFI awarded the certification in September and is currently evaluating four additional Amazon locations, which are on track to achieve this validation of their carbon reduction efforts. The 35,000 square foot store opened in 2022 on Aurora Avenue in North Seattle and was built with sustainability in mind. Its many climate forward features include a natural refrigerant based refrigeration system, all electric kitchen and hot water heating systems, electric vehicle charging for customers and low carbon concrete floors. The store has saved over 100 tons of CO2E, which is carbon dioxide equivalent, compared to an industry standard grocery store since it has opened. Whoa, whoa. Chris.
1: Yeah, that was a lot, Anne. Nice job, though. I nailed is, that.
0: Is this story a zero or a hero?
1: <laughs> Way to put it, Anne. Wow. Oh, my God. A zero. I love a hero. how
0: hard you laugh at your own jokes.
1: <laughs> Like, Well, yeah, showing out the sausage she made. I wrote that for Anne and wanted to see if she would read that.
0: All right. So begrudgingly, you know,
1: begrudgingly yeah. read. Until I tried the AR experience with Walmart's app yesterday, until that, because that's not my favorite headline of the show, but this was my favorite headline until that time. Okay. Because I think it highlights another benefit of a smart store that is running on top of a computer vision platform. We've talked a lot about it in past shows about the operational dynamics of smart stores from an inventory, from a pricing standpoint. Recently, we've been talking about them from the lens of preventing shrink and theft. But the other important angle here as well is that Smart store design leads to a more sustainable retail store design as well in the long run. So I'll say this until I'm blue in the face, and Every retailer should be looking at a smart store foundation in their store development plans going forward. Amazon is doing it. Schnucks is doing it. We've talked about it. So if you're redesigning your store format prototypes... You need to be doing it not just with the angle of trying to meet new customer segments like Macy's is probably going to do with Bloomingdale's. I'm guessing there's no probably true smart store at the core of that design or that new format or even targets new larger format stores as well. But you need to take a portion of those minimally if you're going to be devoting the capital to start experimenting with what this can mean or you are going to be behind in understanding how it works. Yeah, ask yourself, what can a smart store do for you?
0: Yeah, I don't have much more to add. I think those were all very clear, poignant points that you made. But I think that you said Amazon is doing it, Schnooks is doing it. Noticeably absent from that list are Target and Walmart, who both set goals to have this done by 2025. And that's, yeah. that's no time at all. And so while you know, I think
1: Walmart is thinking about it, like from, thinking from about it, reading it, yeah, they're, yes. they're at least contemplating it and trying to do it to some degree. They had that for one sure. store in New York for a while.
0: For sure. But I would say they're, you know, they're, they are doing efforts. They're building sort, targets building sortation centers to cut down on the amount of, you know, delivery traffic that they have going out, one to one deliveries. They're doing things. I'm just saying the date that they all set for themselves, which is a year and some months from now makes it challenging when, especially now you have yep. Amazon per usual, way ahead of the game, already opening a store, one store that's reached carbon neutrality and you have more in the works. So again, Amazon setting the stage for for where these retailers are going to need to be. And a lot of retailers have a lot of catching up to do to get to that smart store like you're talking about.
1: Well, and too, don't you think, I mean, going back to your younger generation concept here. Doesn't this also become a marketing hook over time too, as well for the younger generation to get you to shop, to get you to try, like, you know, Amazon's trying to get into physical retail, right? They're trying to understand it. Like this gives you that chance to either say, Hey, here's the benefits or Hey, you tried it once with us. Come try it again because we're getting better. We're learning it. And there's also this benefit here, folks. That's pretty damn important.
0: For sure. That and and combined with lowest price, you know, like when you have, you're reaching sustainability and you're hitting on price point for that next generation. I mean, yeah, it's, awesome it's going to be here. hard to be, to get past Amazon to beat them. So, all right, Chris, it's time for the lightning round. Are you All
1: right, 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 let's
0: do it. Chris, NBA icon Shaquille O'Neal is being named president of Reebok Basketball ahead of a category relaunch in early 2025. Additionally... AI Alan Arvison has been named <laughs> yeah. vice president of Reebok Basketball. Chris, what celebrity would you legitimately hire to work alongside us here at AmiTalk, and it cannot be Minka Kelly? It
1: cannot be Minka Kelly. Okay, no. that's cool. I actually, I, I'm gonna. I think you're gonna like my pick on this one, Anne. I'm going Reese Witherspoon, fellow Stanford really? grad, media powerhouse, fashion icon. Yeah, Reese Witherspoon, 100. percent She'd be. You're great giving her addition. a lot of credit, Reese. If you're listening. We've got a contributor spot open for you on OmniTalk whenever you want it. All He's right. too Anne. busy
0: being a fake news person on the Apple news show with Jennifer Aniston. Oh, she she's got time. time. She's got
1: people that can handle it. She's got okay. AI that can write what she wants to say for us. It's fine. She'll figure as it out. As long as
0: she brings Ryan Fli- Philippe with her, that's fine.
1: Dude, that's like two relationships ago. What are you talking I care. about? I don't care. God, Ryan Phillippe? Oh, I just listened to the Rewatchables with Cruel Intentions, by the way. Uh-huh. Fascinating Rewatchable for those that oh, listen okay. to Bill Simmons podcast and want to check that out. All right. In t- a town in Indonesia was recently in an uproar over a 300-foot statue of a ghost. Which of these famous ghosts would you most like to haunt you, Anne? Casper, Patrick Swayze in Ghost, or Red Grange, a.k.a. the Galloping Ghost? A writing candidate could also be
0: accepted for this answer, Anne. Oh, my God. Who's Red Grange, the galloping ghost? He's a famous football hero. Yes. Oh, God. I have no idea. It depends on which Casper. If it's Devin Sawa from the Devin Sawa and Christina Ricci one, he would top the list. But if we're talking about just like Casper, the cartoon ghost, no. Then I would pick Patrick Swayze all day. Or should I say all night?
1: Nice. Nice. See, how do you know Casper movie? I've never even seen the movie Casper. You know the most random – see, going back, you know the most random movie trivia. It's just – you need to be more attuned to what the average person knows about movie trivia. I would and say a lot of people
0: issue. know who Devin Sawa is. I have from, I don't even know who, who that is. grew up in the 90s. He played am, the uh, he played the human version of Casper from Christina Ricci's creation of Casper. All right, we're moving on. Chris, Name a
1: second movie. That's the thing. But let's keep moving. On. Let's keep going.
0: Oh, I I could do it. He was like a heart- heartthrob. He was on the cover of Teen Beat. You know, like he was one of those guys next to Jonathan Taylor Thomas. You like hung on your wall. Um, so okay. Fantastic. Anyway, Chris, Skyzone recently implemented robotic ice cream kiosks with mini melts, which can dispense ice cream 24-7, are remotely operated, and require no maintenance until some kid puts a dirty Skyzone Zone sock into the yeah, dispenser or something. Yeah, this um, so Okay. Bad. What kind of ice cream and in what quantity could help you survive an hour-long session at Sky Zone? Truthfully, nothing. <laughs> but I mean, let's be honest, and What especially, if I had. <laughs> especially these, like, I, they're like dipping dots. Yeah. That's what mini ice melts are. I thought well, it was like real ice cream.
1: Yeah, it ain't for the adults, but you know, if it was going to be something, it had to be something that just knocked me flat on my butt, hand. So I'm talking a three scoop banana split with, you know, butterscotch and marshmallow cool. topping, something that just takes me into a freaking food coma. Yeah. All right. And last one Jeff Bezos just purchased a $79 million home in Billionaire Bunker, which is in South Florida. And it, his new home is also, hap- well, it also happens to be Anne, next to his $68 million home that he already purchased in the same area. And we are fans of alliteration on this show. If you could live in a hovel anywhere in the world, where would it be? And what would its alliterative name be?
0: Well, San Clemente is my one of my favorite places in the world. So I would oh, say yeah, the San Clemente play. Sanctuary.
1: Ooh the San Clemente Sanctuary nicely done. Also
0: did you see the video you have to watch the the Twitter video or X video of yeah, right. the What's woman listing the agent who lists this house this house Oh really I, Oh my god it is like a, it is it is so and, like, good. Stereotypes it's just, like, come to life. He like walks down in like this like sassy model walk. And she's like 68 billion dollars or whatever. <laughs> this is whatever. It's, what is it called? The billionaire bunker on Boba island. Like it's so hilarious. So if you want a good laugh, check out that. Or if you want me to get as
1: nauseous as humanly possible when I see like well, how how the rich talk to themselves. Yes, and, and two things that will never happen in my life. <laughs> All right, so happy birthday today to Frida Pinto, Joe Morton of T2, and to the muscles from Brussels himself, Jean-Claude Van Damme. And before I close the show out, I'm curious, where does JCVD rank on your – where does Pete JCVD rank on your hotness scale? Doesn't.
0: He, like he, I couldn't name a movie. He had his
1: time, you know. Like he, he's
0: a very polarizing figure. Either people not are all in me. on him
1: or like not in on him. So you're not, not in on him. Not
0: for me. No thanks. Yeah, no I'm thanks. not really.
1: I'm not really in on him either. Like I just never got him. But all right. And remember, I think,
0: I think people just like saying his name. It's fun.
1: Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah, it is kind of fun.
0: Yeah, yeah. I
1: like the initials too, JCPD. It's kind of yeah. Fun. Although, I like the Well, that kind of sounds bad too. JCBD. You know who I'd
0: pick? You know who I'd rank on my <laughs> hotness scale? Isn't Ted Lasso yeah. the footballer who? starts going by Van Dam, that guy. Oh, that guy? Yeah. yeah. That who yeah. decides yeah. to change his name? Because it is such a cool name. Like that's yeah. that's who I think.
1: Yeah. A yeah. good reference, Ann. See, you, you you you've got it. It's just it's just different, Ann. Which is why we're great on this show because we bring a different opinion to each and every headline, and to the insights we want to give to our listeners every week. All right, and remember, if you can read or listen to only one retail media outlet in the business, please make it Omni Talk. We're the only retail media outlet run by two former executives from a current top 10 U.S. retailer. And yes, we take some seriously damn pride in that. Our Fast Five podcast is the quickest, fastest rundown of all the week's top news. And our twice weekly newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day and also features special content that is exclusive to us. And we do it all just for you. And we try really hard to make it all fit within the preview pane of your inbox. In fact, I'm writing Friday's newsletter up for you all right now. You can follow us today by simply going to youtube.com slash Retail. Thanks, as always, for listening in. Please remember to like and leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcast or on YouTube. So until next week, and on behalf of all of us at Army Talk Retail, be careful out there.
0: The Army Talk Fast Five is brought to you in association with the a and Consumer and Retail Group. The a and Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities toward their maximum potential. CRG brings the experience, tools, and operator-like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption. And Firework. Firework is the largest video commerce solution built for the world's leading brands. They empower brands with shoppable and live stream video on their own websites where people like to shop. Put your commerce in motion with Firework. Find out more at firework.com. And Avalara. Avalara makes text compliance faster, easier, more accurate, and more reliable for 30,000 plus business and government customers in over 90 countries. Avalara leverages... 1200 plus signed partner integrations to power tax calculations, document management, tax return filing, and tax content access. Visit avalera.com to improve your compliance journey. And TGW, revolutionize your grocery supply chain with TGW. Their experts tailor automation solutions to your needs, ensuring you have the edge. Work with TGW before your competition does. Discover more at tgw-group.com. And finally, Cezzle. Sezzle is an innovative buy now, pay later solution that allows shoppers to split purchases into four interest-free payments over six weeks. To learn more, visit Cezzle.com.